will be an evolving project. The town has never actually had a third party independent review of our compensation and classification study. And really what that means to the layperson is um, it's really job titles, grades, and pay ranges um, given the market. And as we'll talk about in a little bit, Steve Sherlock here for Franklin Matters, Franklin Public Radio, anywhere on the internet, WFPR.FM, and in the local Franklin Mass FM radio dial 102.9, here today for our last Talk Franklin episode this year. How did that happen already? We're in December, almost in Christmas and New Year's. Jamie, Helen, how are you doing today? Time flies when you're having fun, Steve. It does. It does. And we, we've just been so busy. It's just like, wait a minute, this is 20? Holy cow. <laughs> Time flies when you're having fun. We're all having fun. And, um, you know, it is kind of crazy to think we're already here at the holidays. But um, I've learned, Steve, as we get a little older, that um, that uh, urban myth is true. I think it's not a myth, is that as you do get older, things do seem to fly by faster. <laughs> yes. Yeah, that's why I'm 19 with 50 years of experience, because I try to make the days go slow, Yeah, but they can't. <laughs> <laughs> they can't. And by the way, we also have current assistant administrator, Alicia Lean, although you're not here for too long, and we'll get more into that. But welcome, Alicia. Thank you for having me. Yep, this will be my uh, last podcast. I'm very sad about it. Uh he says we'll that with a huge you, smile. Bring you back if some future guest episode. Oop. We'll we'll find some reason to hook you back in. Yeah, I'll always be around. So give me a call. <laughs> yes. So while we get into this talk, Franklin thing, I thought we'd give a kind of quick recap. Jamie, if somebody ever did a bingo card, would somebody have had said that town council and the town would have bought two hundred open acres of space in the last eighteen months? <laughs> would that I mean, have been I'm high on the bingo card? Stuff, and I wouldn't have put it on the bingo card you know i thought after maple hill in 2021 i thought that was the changing of the guard if you will from you know really a it's a substantial cultural change in town um demographic change priority change policy change where mm -hmm. you know um the 200 acres of open space um could have never sat here and thought about it some of those like the 17 acres this week was kind of lucky where we had a a generous landowner uh, next to the Schmidt farm, uh, basically sell us at a, at a cut rate, the uh, 17 acres up on a hill. It's gorgeous up there. I put some pictures in the, um, in the packet, Steve, eventually you'll be able to have your own uh, walk, nice trail network back there. And mm -hmm. um, just uh, one of the things I want to remark about people is when you go over that area, Schmidt farm, not yet, but when, uh, when we, uh, all the, Deeds are recorded and um, and uh, Mr. Schmidt builds his house and a variety of other things. The, the parcels will really open well over a year from now. And when people do go walk through there, they're going to remark, I think, at one thing is that you actually really cannot hear any highway noise. Um, yeah. You know, you can really be in a secluded area of town and, and really enjoy uh, some peace and quiet. Um, you know, Steph and I went up there on a nice day and, um, you know, we just had to sit there for about two minutes, three minutes and just listen, you know, mm -hmm. and, um, it was really nice. And so people should be really thrilled with it. And, um, 
you know, I think this really goes mostly toward, um, I do want to give Consular Hamlin a huge shout out. Um, I think when she ran um, several years ago, I think it was a huge priority for her for the AGCOM and some others. And really, um, you know, with the rest of the council and Chair Mercer and even Councilor Kelly at the time and a variety of others just had always kind of supported it, um, but needed a little more oomph. Um, and, you know, along with all this 200 acres, also a hundred almost 120 homes uh, could have been built uh, on those parcels, maybe a hundred and almost with the other 17 acres, 125, 130 homes. Mm. So um, herein lies also some of the challenges for the school department with enrollment decline Right, is you're starting to, you're, we're starting to calcify in town. You can see the priorities are protection of open space, recreational amenities, trails, bike lanes, connectivity, the Franklin Greenway concept uh, will be in the open space plan, which I'm really excited about. Yep, that's um, and, um, and so, you know, I think it's just also a symbol less about, um, you know, homes versus open space, but it's also just a priority of, of, of the public where 60% voted for CPI. I think if you had the vote today, it would be higher. I think the people, some of the no votes, community preservation might be turned over when they've now seen the return on investment what we can do with it between the open space the red brick the historical museum and i and others that are coming absolutely and others that are coming nason street hot lot um, king street uh, king street um and so you're starting to see the true meaning of community preservation right and Mm -hmm. so um you know it's really exciting and for me personally and professionally, as most people know, you know, I started my career uh, on community preservation. I was there actually with the bill signing that day from Governor Salucci and Governor Swift at the Payne Estate in Waltham. And um, not just CPA, but everyone knows I'm a hiker, an outdoors guy. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, uh, you know, it's certainly the last year and a half. I would, I would, my 25 years, I'd, I'd put that up near the top of the list of just really great achievements for a community. It's great to see everybody be so thrilled and supportive of all this yeah and i think we've talked about that and especially with your intro back in the day 2000 2001 and you were part of a presentation to franklin early early and we didn't choose it at that time but i'm thinking too you get the photo on the wall where you're in the back do you have an equivalent photo to put now for the, at least one of the open space pieces to kind of like really close that loop for you? <laughs> well, we have the selfie from up on the hill. This uh, is true. Staff, this is but, true, yeah. But yeah. I mean, uh, I also have a big vein coming out of my forehead on that picture, <laughs> so I probably won't be the one I want lasting. But I think there'll be a year from now, there'll be a ribbon cutting over at Schmidt Farm, sure. hopefully in front yeah, of the barn, um, yep. to kind of also kind of symbol the public that it's open for, for hiking and other things and Absolutely. stuff like that. So, yeah. You know, that'll be a good one. And you're right. It was 2001 where they all said, buzz off, kid. Get yeah. out of here. <laughs> and they also said it to Jeff, too. Jeff Nutting. So it wasn't like they right. said just to the kid, get no, out of no, here. No, no, uh, no. But they also told the TA, the new- newly appointed TA, get out of here. You know, yeah. We don't raise taxes in Franklin. And, no. Uh, but no. better late than never. And I still think that the opportunity, particularly at Schmidt, is going to be uh, tremendous. And Alicia, last meeting, we have the license renewals, which I think were, quote, in good state at that point. And they may be a little bit closer now as the end, the year end comes closer and closer. Yes. Uh, licensing is looking really good. Uh, people are, com- are trickling in to pick up their licenses, but 
uh, we anticipate an influx of everyone next Friday, which is the usual trend. <laughs> usual trend. Yep. Get it. And then one of the other things that uh, gives us some pause, but also, you know, recognition, the Franklin Library Association has determined, excuse me, to end its run and what, close to a half a million dollars of donations over what, close to 150 years helping the library and, and all of Franklin with that as well. Really, words do no justice. I mean, being in, being in, in, in business for 150 years and the uh, incredible story um, and it makes the Ben Franklin books exhibit over at the library, I think even more, mm-hmm. um, you know, legendary in terms of, you know, the human control um, display case, um, which wasn't always popular at the beginning uh, when I brought the idea up to uh, former consular Pfeffer. But as somebody who was new in town and heard about and just heard the story of the books, um, again, it's seven years ago now, I, I got here and I just kept hearing about the books and the books and I see Jeff Roy and he'd be giving a speech about the books and everyone's talking about the books. And so finally I said to Felicia, where are the books? <laughs> and he's just over this little cubby, you know, kind of hidden. At one and, point, it was a one kind of a walkway, but people would walk by it and have no idea. No one would know where they were. And um, and I think from a preservation standard, maybe leaving them untouched or whatever made sense. But, um, you know, I had recommended to Consular Pfeffer, who was the chair of the library committee. I said, you know, this is the whole story of the origin of your town. Mm-hmm. And you have it all cramped up in a little case that looks like a night table in my house. Mm-hmm. And... Um, is that really how we preserve 200 plus year old books? And then fast forward, you know, or go, excuse me, go back, like to hear the Franklin Library Association was, you know, started and concerned about, about the origins of those books and what to do and, and how they were going to preserve them for the future is just an astonishing story. And um, it's just awesome. And they've donated, you know, probably millions really over the course of time, but recently, um, five or 600,000 in, in various uh, initiatives to help preserve a lot of the archives that are over there um, in the library. Folks don't know there is a humidor of an area of a climate controlled area for a lot of other historical artifacts in Franklin that uh, Vicki Earls uh, works on with uh, the staff. And um, so they've been able to be very generous and, um, you know, 150 years is a, is a pretty good, is a pretty good life. Um it's kind of like Yoda-esque kind of life, right? I mean, that's a long, long time. So we're sad yeah. to see them go, but I think ultimately they feel like they did their job and um, they managed their finance as well. And it's a it's a great story that'll be a, now a uh, accompanying piece to the exhibit on the books. And I thought, Felicia, just if folks didn't go back and watch it, um, Steve, you can splice it in. Felicia gave incredibly warm remarks about the, uh, the incredible story at the, mm-hmm. at the meeting. Yeah, it's a, it's definitely a good story and uh, definitely one that'll be carried forward yeah. <laughs> um, with recognition because it'd be interesting. There was 150 years, so even at a deck at a 20 year lifespan for generations, that's five. Uh, excuse me, seven, eight generations yeah. of folks who what eight or ten at a time participated on that committee and kept it so that yeah. that you when you start adding it up that's a lot of people over that yeah. time kept that thing going so yeah 
other piece coming up, and certainly there's been a lot of discussions that we've talked about here in economic development, but the inclusionary zoning, the Franklin for all, uh, the real discussions around exactly how to take those recommendations and bring them forward, those are certainly coming. <laughs> they are coming. Um, they are arriving. They've arrived. It's been it's been months already. I know you did a recent podcast with some of the members of the EDC. Ultimately, zoning changes in a community like this are probably some of the most challenging and difficult to to do. It's uh, a very dense topic. It's um, it's very hard to understand. Mm -hmm. and, um, and I think somebody even remarked at one of the public meetings on Franklin for All and just looked and really got angry about how about how complicated this was. Yeah. And um, and she was right. Uh, the problem is, is that in order to be effective and to get the change you want to visibly see um, or economics um, that you want to see economically to help people um, or, or to deal with the housing market issues that are going on, and which, by the way, have always been in Massachusetts, um, you know, you unfortunately need to really show up a lot and you really need to do some homework at night. Um, it is just there's in, in, in the Internet era, too. Mm -hmm. and social media era, um, it becomes even more polarizing, more challenging, and more difficult because there are a lot of opinions. And, um, and at the end of the day, for those that are wondering what this is really about, it's really about quality of life and about money. And it's really about the ratio of what do we want to try to strategize for the future in terms of housing stock, Apartments, condos, single-family homes, duplexes, townhouses, row housing, um, whatever you know, units per acre. However, you want to define it, it's really a, a a question about what are the standards a community wants to set for developers to meet. Um, I'm not uh, one to really think that over time development actually does not stop. What they do is they work around the rules to then conform the housing to those rules. And so, um, you know, I think as people become uh, familiar with a lot of the topics, they have to also realize there is a sensitivity as there should be to what the profit margins are of developers, whether this is feasible, whether it's not. But we're a society that's lived for however many hundreds of years and there's always been nimbyism. There's always been obstructions. There's always been imperfect rules. There's always been home rule stature on these issues in Massachusetts. The city of Houston, by the way, does not have zone. Correct. Yeah. So across the country, this is not all, this is not like it is everywhere. No. And no. so really what you have is, and where the issue is, is really about money and quality of life. And what are the rules that are going to put, put in place to balance those issues between the development community and the community visual and feel and, and demographic that you want to attract? And it's about trying to thread the needle in a way that tries to balance those two issues, which are always competing. And Steve, we've seen this recently with project proposals on East Central Street and mm -hmm. other areas of town, Right, going back to Dean Avenue and the project on East Central Street, the 32 units of Taj Estates versus the one 
near the Bellagio and um, in Apricot Lane uh, with the new uh, commercial industrial complex and ones that have also gone before the planning board, like 121 Grove Street, where there's being proposed 330 units and 25% of those are required to be affordable. And so therefore, the developer then says the other 75 have to be luxury, Mm -hmm. not just average market rate units, because they need to make up the money from the other ones. Needs to balance out. And so it's a really challenging issue. And I think for volunteers that that, um, get on to uh, any board or committee that are focused on some other things, when you have to deal with zoning, you know, it can be exceptionally difficult and challenging. So, mm-hmm. yeah, and I think tying back to the open space that we just put aside also forces that we really need to look at the zoning, not so much because of quote new development. It's going to be, I would term it in redevelopment, our yep. existing space, because we're going to have to reuse that existing space, particularly in the downtown because of the MBTA requirements, et cetera. But that's the only buildable space we're going to have left. There's not that much open space left. <laughs> to the point that earlier, the la- the two large two of the largest parcels left that are mm-hmm. not golf courses were just bought by the town. Right. And so and so ultimately, you're spot on. I mean, if you go to Needham right now over the last ten years, you'll see what the future of Franklin is. It's really about taking smaller old capes two or three parcels into one to get two bigger units or four or four unit duplex of higher end housing. And because you're right and the developers are correct as well as, so everybody in this debate is actually correct Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that we should have a man, we should have a minimum or uh, some sort of minimum amount of, of affordable units built in these larger complexes. Everybody agrees the redevelopment is the future. Um, and I think the challenge right now is, is that there is no real win, win, win for everybody. Mm-hmm. Everyone's going to have to cave an olive branch in to ensure that the rules are going to change for everybody. Mm-hmm. And really, what are those so that we're not going too extreme here, mm-hmm. but we're not doing right. nothing. There has to be some incremental progress. Um, on the affordable housing issue, as well as being cognizant of, you know, the 121 Grove Street is a is a very extreme example of where I think we don't want to be is, you know, having housing being proposed in industrial areas over there only because that's where the economics work out. Right. And I think those are the issues that the EDCs. So any listener out there that thinks this is boring, I understand but if you're really interested in traffic and housing and development, again, I said it on your podcast many times, now is the time to pay attention and get involved. Yeah, and there's plenty of opportunities to do so. And having done the recap, we can kind of look into the outlook since we're at the end of this year, 2022. December is here. Christmas is soon. And looking into January and then the budget season, there's a lot happening next year. There's a lot happening. Uh, happy New Year uh, to all our town employees. Um, um, so, yeah, we got the capital budget, um, the community preservation public hearing in January. We're going to have an update, uh, hopefully, on some ARPA issues, um, which will be at the Finance Committee on January 11th. Um, and then the other issue on January 11th is the compensation and classification study the town just completed. Um, this is like trying to build a house speaking of development mm-hmm. we just kind of built the foundation in the walls 
Um, this is not going to be something that is permanently etched in stone for a long time. This will be an evolving project. The town has never actually had a third-party independent review of our compensation and classification study. And really what that means to the layperson is um, it's really job titles, grades, and pay ranges um, given the market. And as we'll talk about in a little bit, you know, there really aren't a lot of people looking for work these days. And, um, and there's both from uh, a lack of immigration reform and also from a lack of people births. Sure. Um, literally just a shortage of people. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, there's some challenges out there and obviously, uh, for good reason, jobs, uh, prices are going up. And so the study is something where next year we'll try to put on the roof. The year after we'll put on the windows. The year after we'll put on the garage. I see this as a project that will be year to year for the rest of the decade. Um, and as we'll talk about in a little bit, um, there's a lot of job opportunities uh, in Franklin as well as many other municipalities um, out there. So um, those will be in January. Um, we did approve schedules for the next year uh, for both the finance committee meetings and the town council meetings. Um, if anybody's interested, in, I mean, two of the most important boards, right, are the town council and the finance committee. Right. And they meet every Wednesday, basically. So mm-hmm. if that stuff is interested and you're like, oh, my God, what's going on in town? We have a great email subscription list. Um, Lily gave me some numbers yesterday. I was actually blown away by how many people are subscribed to our email lists. Mm-hmm. Um, I was actually really pleasantly shocked. Um so clearly people are getting that information and staying in tune uh, and in touch with what's going on. But the budget hearings will be later in April and May, like they are usually. And, um, you know, we're definitely going to have a packed year. We're also going to be doing a goals update on the January 4th meeting. So if you're interested in kind of where mm-hmm. things are going from an outlook, more at the view from 30,000 feet, the January 4th meeting at the council will have an update on the two-year goal session. So mm-hmm. uh, a lot of good stuff going on. Yeah, and it's interesting having come from the corporate world, obviously retired for a couple of years, but corporations tend to do that kind of compensation class analysis piece periodically. Uh, mm-hmm. And I've been in through multiple and some of the times before they had to do it, they also had to go through and kind of redo the job titles to make sure that they had comparable ones because mm-hmm. depending upon what happens, you know, you get this new title and never mind that work changes along the way. So a job that's now titled and somebody's doing didn't exist 10 years ago, right? Yeah. Whereas, and maybe some of that, certainly a GIS function probably didn't exist 40 years ago within municipal world, maybe even not 20 years ago in the municipal world. So yeah, it's about time, and I'm glad mm-hmm. that it's been done because that yeah. kind of compensation and competitiveness needs to be done both on the town side and clearly the school side. That's been a, a rising issue, if anything, on the uh, teachers and other talent that needs to come in in order to run the schools. So on that point, really quickly, if people really want to do a deeper dive, we talked about it once already, but again, just to reiterate, the December 7th FinCon meeting, I know you have it on Franklin Matters, it's on yep. Franklin TV, it's on repeat, you can view it on YouTube. Critical, critical, critical meeting to listen to. While some may view it as, wow, you know, there's some, there's some, you know, there's some disagreement here between the municipal side and the, and the school side. That's true. Um, that's okay, by the way. Um, it's healthy. It's, it's part of what we do. We're not always going to agree. Um, 
And but one thing that is true is both the school side uh, and the town side are struggling um, with this. And one of the reasons why that's of concern is because Franklin is absolutely routinely seen as one of the uh, most well-managed, most well-prepared and progressive municipalities in Massachusetts. And when you start hearing about some of the struggles here, not just comparables, and I don't just mean that, I mean, mm-hmm. actual struggle to fill some positions, you know, um, and again, we'll talk about this a little bit more in a minute, but I mean, ultimately, you know, when you're starting to hear that out of the Actons, the Andovers, the Needhams, right, the Foxboroughs, the Franklins, which is absolutely true from law enforcement, paramedics, fire, um, you know, uh, program coordinators, uh, support staff, administrative help. And you hear that from teachers and you hear the report from Miriam at the last FinCom meeting about they still have 40, 45 jobs open. And the question was asked, are we ever going to find a physics teacher or an English teacher? And it, hmm. you just actually really don't know anymore, which is very scary. And people really have to be aware of that. Um, there is a constraint on our money that we have as a town. We cannot just go like the private sector, Steve, and go jack up rates on a product to make more money to pay the person to do the widgets. Um, we don't get that luxury. Um, we're capped every year. And so people have to be cognizant that service levels may be changing and altered. And I think the finance committee meeting in December really showed about we have to have an ability to be nimble and adapt. And it's very challenging because we are competing with the private sector. As again, we'll learn in a minute when we give Alicia some farewell wishes. You know, the reality is there's some pros and cons to it all. And, um, you know, we're in one of those positions right now at the local level. Um, for a lot of reasons as, as to where we're not competitive. So salary is one issue um, and we're trying to address that, um, you know, and there are other issues, but uh, on January 11th, we will be continuing our deep dive series, build out deep dive series mm-hmm. in the uh, compensation and class plan. So hopefully people will tune into that. Yeah. And I think to, to reinforce, we've talked here before about some of the municipal opportunities and how it is, really a good fit in a number of ways maybe not for everybody but for 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 a good section of the people that want to make a difference and have a a a quality of life for their job as well as they're making a difference maybe they don't get kind of the high competitive wages but in some cases you actually get the other compensation and in some cases you may actually get a, sh- a shorter commute depending upon where you're going so um that was not alicia's case but it was uh from when she started here but you're right i mean 200 acres of open space for people like me you know there is there is there is a value in that because you really feel great about that kind of achievement in a community, you mm-hmm. know, and I know for a fact, Lucas and the superintendent and the school committee and the council and everyone feels the same way. You don't do it solely because of the money. Um, no. You know, certainly if you want to be the police chief, you'll do better, but there comes a lot with the police chief. But I also know in our case, in our two chiefs, an example, um, you know, they, I can't think of two people I've ever met that love what they do more than them. Mm-hmm. I mean, like just that's, that's what they, that's their whole life is those things because they just can't get enough of it because right. they just love the challenge, the success, the strategy. Um, and then when they achieve the ISO one, the police accreditation, you know, it, 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 it makes you feel as good as when there's a, a, a large raise. Right? Mm-hmm. Yep. 
yeah, and that happens as well on the on the corporate side. Um, I made a move. It lengthened my commute moving from Citizens to Han- Hancock, but the opportunity and the challenge, I mean, it was worthy enough and timely enough. I completed and I was able to retire, satisfied. Yeah. So yeah. <laughs> that worked out perfectly for me. Um, yeah. So and recently, the current job opportunity list, it looks like there's about a dozen or so. And it's across a variety of departments, because one of the other pieces that of, and you were a good kind of post a child of it. Oh, you're not a child by any means. Um, but the, <laughs> in terms of the, the meme, uh, if you will, the succession planning, yep. you know, is a key aspect. And some people and demographically people are still retiring. Uh, so there's opportunities uh, in a couple of positions in the senior center in particular, where longtime employees uh, have now stepped back because they're going to enjoy their retirement days. And there's opportunities for people to step in. I think it's a, it's, you know, blends in well, actually, to, you know, Alicia's decision. And I think there's all sorts of age groups out there. There's different factors, like you said, Steve, about, you know, closer to home or, you know, geez, I just raised my kids for 10 years and now I'm ready to go back to the workforce and, um, everything with the labor market, people moving, you know, like Chrissy moved to, you know, moved to Florida. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, um, there's a whole myriad of perspectives. And I think it's part of the reevaluation of everybody's lives, right? It's the 2020s will be remain will will be known in the history books as a decade of disruption, but also a decade of uh, reevaluation. And mm-hmm. I think like everybody, um, you know, they're kind of evaluating where they're going. And for the first time since I've been here, and I think even before that, we do have a lot of positions open. Some of it's for succession planning. Some of it's to fill um, mid-level or administrative jobs that traditionally we've never really had to post for. Um, and so due to retirements, um, people leaving for more money, people relocating their families, um, there's situations of people. Um, uh, there's also positions where people are taking on uh, home care responsibilities. Mm-hmm. Um, people are having families, um, right? They're having their first life happens. <laughs> I mean, um, and I think, you know, kind of people are all over the place as they should be and um, kind of reevaluating finances, retirements. Um, we're having a lot of people, uh, particularly in law enforcement, retire early. Um, you know, and I think that's another area that we used to have, for example, over 200 people take our patrol test you know, the last time we did, I think we got 40. Hmm. And I think that's a different issue, right? We've yeah. had a couple of officers just recently um, resign, um, basically young folks who unquestionably had uh, extremely great potential to be in leadership as sergeant lieutenants or way down the line, even a chief position. And people just saying, you know what, I, I just don't want to work more than 40 hours a week or 35 hours a week or whatever it is. And the salary is just not enough. I got to go to the private sector. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, uh, as we wish uh, Alicia farewell, um, you know, I think she'll describe the same, um, you know, the night meetings are very challenging for a lot of people in this industry. Um, and the salary levels are challenging for the people in this industry. And um, I think you do see a lot of other flexibility, uh, if I'm not mistaken, Alicia, you know, on the private sector side. So, um, you know, I mean, I, I'd like to give a few minutes to Alicia to, to, you know, talk about where she's going and why. And 
Um, we obviously will wish her well after that. But I think the job opportunities, people should go to the HR page on the website. We have an email subscription list with a couple thousand people that subscribe to that. Um, and um, and now if you're looking out there for that bug, Steve, that you said of being mm-hmm. in a passionate place or uh, pension, quality of life, good health insurance, whatever it might be, retirement, now couldn't be a better time to get involved in, in local government. Um, but we understand we're uh, competing pretty tough with some tough private sector companies, right, Alicia? I think so. <laughs> <laughs> Where are you going? Um, yeah, so I'll be transitioning into the uh, the the private sector, um, working. I'll do some consulting with municipalities. Um, you know, it's a feels like the right move for me at this point in my life. So I'm excited for the new journey, but very grateful for you know, the past three and a half years that I've had in Franklin. And I've really enjoyed my time here. I've met so many new people, learned so many new things. Um, it was my first job out of college. So, you know, I had a lot to learn and I was able to grow within the organization and will forever be grateful for the opportunity. And I think one of the other key pieces there within that to elaborate on, and certainly you can help explain, but I think you've also been able to leverage the experience you've got here, specifically <clears throat> doing something like opera tracking, federal funds tracking, et cetera, in a, in a successful way to move into this new position. So it's like, yeah, maybe a boring topic, but you know, people are paying for that kind of experience too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I'll uh, definitely be transitioning a lot of my skills that I've learned here into the private sector. And um, I'm happy that I was able to find an opportunity that allowed me to use the knowledge that I already have and just grow it in a different environment. So I'm excited, but also sad to leave all the people that I work with. Um, you know, it's been great here. So, mm-hmm. so you won't be uh, sad with the commute. No, I will definitely not miss the commute so because you get to work remote right yeah so yeah i'll be fully remote and even if i had to commute anything under 25 30 minutes would have been a uh, huge improvement for me so yeah Mm -hmm. yep having moved in a number of times over the years different positions different locales Commute certainly is a factor and yeah. you kind of make it work. But if you can take a shorter one, by all means, absolutely. <laughs> yeah, the, it's it's been like an hour, hour 10, both ways, five days a week. So yeah. and it kind I of did, burns you out after a while. At one point, I also did two hours door to door, but that was multiple transits, <laughs> multiple <laughs> forms of transit between walking, car, uh, mass transit, you know, uh, subway to path at that point, um, at least the hour that I was taking going into Boston, you know, I could do three things on the train that I, you can't do in a car. Mm-hmm. You can read a book, you can open your laptop, or you can put your head back and take a little nap. Yeah. Mm-hmm. When you're driving, ah, those are not options. Not, not <laughs> Even options in a Tesla. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I think, Steve, that's the challenge, right? And I think that's why hopefully the listeners out there, if you know of anybody um, that's interested in a, in a quality of life move, you know, I mean, we work with this at the Mass Municipal Association a lot. I'm on the executive committee and, you know, we look at it and we're, I think a lot of municipal officials have always been nervous to promote quality of life, short commutes, people live close by, um, good hours, um, 
you know, unless you're in a management piece like the chief or myself or an emergency position, you know, generally most of our employees are eight to four, right? Uh, earlier on Friday, we leave at one. Um, it varies a little bit, but, you know, the hours are usually pretty good. Um, the time off and benefits are very good. Uh, the health insurance is very good. You do have a guaranteed pension, um, you know, that um, one thing, the private sector, Steve, you know, as well as anybody, mm-hmm. it's not always peaches and cream. Um, the year you get a bonus is great. Um, and then some years get layoff, right? Because that's the way the private sector works. We're they're the hare in the race. We're the tortoise. We're slow mm-hmm. and steady. They are fierce and fast and they cut back. Right. And so, um, you know, for a lot of people, um, at different points of their careers, they could, uh, enjoy both. Um, but, um, you know, if people look at that jobs page, now is a great time to get involved in any municipality, we have jobs open here, but so does Medway, so does Bellingham, you know, so does Milford, so does Foxborough. We're all trying to um, do a little bit better job recruiting. And uh, and so hopefully people take a look at that. If they know any family or friends looking for work, um, now's a great time to get involved. Yeah, and I think with the evolution of both government service and the nature of that service delivery, there's many, many functions, opportunities, skill sets required across the municipal, almost as varied as the, in the corporate world. So, And the yeah, corporate world is dealing with the same issue we do. And, and oh, you yeah. dealt with it with me. I mean, we have three generations almost right on this call right mm-hmm. now, right? And, you know, your generation, you know, had a set of standards that you learned and we challenged that in Gen X, right? Yep. And and I think uh, folks that are in Alicia's generation are trying to set some boundaries of their priorities. Mm-hmm. And we're struggling with those sometimes as well as, you, as well you are. And so this is all healthy and natural. It's just yeah. the way it works. Um, and that's okay. And we're all trying to adapt and understand where everybody's coming from with what's feasible, what can we do? And the reason why I say this, Alicia just pointed something out that's probably the most important thing is she's working 100% remote. Um, you know, and we struggle with this, right? We're, we're a public facing organization (laughs) and we know that remote work makes sense from what happened during the pandemic, but there's a balance that has to happen. And so these are challenging issues that take a while to work out. The school district's dealing with exactly the same issues. Sure. Um, where there's this expectations of these things, we can't be fully comfortable, but we're trying to figure out how to do that fairly and equitably. And it's a challenge. And I'm learning that as a manager now at, at my stature, my career, um, that, um, you know, with with not only Alicia's decision, but some of the others in the organization, you're saying, oh, geez, like, you know, not only the private sector pay, but the ability to be home and raise your baby in your house. It's changing retail habits. It's changing all sorts of things. And mm-hmm. so that's why I think a lot of this stuff is still being moldable and customizable. And we're all trying to learn and, and try to prepare for the future. So um, I hope people take a look at those jobs. It's not usually just the laborer. There's a couple of jobs open at the senior center. There's a couple of jobs administratively in town hall. Um, there's some engineering jobs. There's a whole variety of things uh, that people should take a look at. Well, and thank you both for taking time. And Alicia, best wishes by all means. I wish you well in your new endeavors. If we're not connected on LinkedIn, let's do so because that network certainly will be much more useful for you as you continue yes. to develop <laughs> going forward. You might want to try TikTok, Steve. Uh, no, excuse me. Let's not go there. No. TikTok as a social piece. Sorry. No, as yeah. a security professional, never. 
never yeah. sorry <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah well we appreciate you know i mean i've said this to alicia numerous times and we're all having standing ovations for her but we're uh we're proud and, and thrilled and honored that she chose franklin to start her career off and um, one of the things as a manager that's always hard um, and i can say this on behalf of the chiefs as well is um you know, what's really great is Anne-Marie, Chrissy, Alicia, all these great people have come in the organization. We knew we'd never be able to really keep them probably forever. Mm -hmm. right. um, but, you know, uh, I think the sign still of a healthy organization is um, when people are getting better jobs, making more money and getting hopefully a better quality of life um, out of it. I think that's a real big success. And yes. while it's very frustrating for me because we have to keep posting jobs, um, at the end of the day, um, all the people in this office, both before with Jeff and with us, um, you know, really gone on to bigger and better things. So we just hope that maybe Alicia will hopefully consider local government again at some point. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah, there's a there's a highly likely chance that I will circle highly back likely. at least at highly some like point that. in my career. Yes. I like highly likely, Steve, right? Yes, that's that's a good <laughs> now we got her on the record. Absolutely. Highly likely. Yes. <laughs> Yep, it'll be a it'll be a clip, maybe for TikTok. Who knows? <laughs> <laughs> and as a, I've been fortunate in my career to be a manager in, in a number of spots, and yeah, growing staff and then having them leave for the right reasons is great. So mm -hmm. yes, mm -hmm. indeed, absolutely. Thank you again, both uh, to the listeners. Thank you for listening. Uh, be safe in the holidays. Enjoy them. Happy New Year, and we'll be back again because we still have we're still going to talk Franklin next year. Maybe without Alicia, although we'll bring her in. And maybe somewhere. we'll hit a hundred <laughs> episodes, Steve. We might hit a hundred episodes next year. Oh yeah, we 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 can certainly do that. Yes, and it, it, as one of the things, as you were listening clearly, if you've got any ideas of either topics or formats, etc. We, we, we're open to those suggestions, and as we're reevaluating closing out this year. And yes, for the record, he mentioned 100 episodes. We've done 70 so far in this series. So we could very well hit 100 next year. But they don't have to all be the same format as long as they work for you and for us. And of course, we do this because Franklin matters. We are now producing this in collaboration with Franklin TV and Franklin Public Radio. This podcast is my public service effort for Franklin, but we can't do it alone. We can always use your help. How can you help? If you can use the information that you find here, please tell your friends and neighbors. If you don't like something here, please let me know. Through this feedback loop, we can continue to make improvements. And I thank you for listening. For additional information, please visit franklinmatters.org. If you have questions or comments, you can reach me directly at suresteve at gmail.com. The music for the intro and exit was provided by Michael Clark and the group East of Shirley. The piece is titled Ernesto Manana, copyright Michael Clark and Tintype Tunes in 2008, and used with their permission. I hope you enjoy. By the way, you can also subscribe and listen to Franklin Matters Radio on your favorite podcast app. Search in podcasts for Franklin Matters.